0: Welcome to Gumzo, African Scholarly Conversations, a podcast that highlights the perspectives of various stakeholders in academia and research fields across Africa through open dialogue on Mazungumzo on scholarly communication in Africa.
1: Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2024 and welcome to Mazungumzo, African Scholarly Conversations where we are joined by an expansive list of African policymakers, science communication specialists, scholarly communication specialists, innovators, and tertiary institutional leads who contribute to this realm of science and scholarly communication. I'm your host, Joy Owango, the Executive Director of the Training Center in Communication, TCC Africa, a research capacity building trust based at the University of Nairobi, Kenya. Joining us today is a distinguished academic whose commitment to education and gender mainstreaming has left an indelible mark on the academic landscape in Tanzania and Africa. Professor Flora Fabian is the founding vice chancellor of Mwanza University in Tanzania and a professor in anatomy and biomedical sciences. She has previously held positions at Muhimbili University of uh, Health and Applied Sciences, and the University of Dodoma. She has a special interest in gender mainstreaming and gender responsive pedagogy. On this note, Professor Fabian has, collaborat- has, cor- has collaborated closely with INASP on initiatives such as strengthening research and knowledge systems, and transforming employability for social change in East Africa, PESCARE. In these projects conducted during her leadership at Dodoma, she played a key role in delivering uh, gender mainstreaming and training of trainer workshops. As a result, she is a co-author of the INAS gender mainstreaming in higher education toolkit. Welcome, Professor Fabian. Karibusana. Asante
0: sana, Joy, and uh, thank you very much uh, uh, for having me in this program. And happy
1: new year, oh yes, happy new year to you um you've been you've had quite a diverse portfolio in academia and leadership. Could you share a bit about your academic journey and the expectations that you have shaped that have shaped your passion for education and gender mainstreaming in academia, and most importantly, how it influenced you your how it influenced your position? as a vice chancellor at uh, at Mwanza University. Uh thank
0: you Joy. I must say um uh, well before I go to my academic journey it all started during my formative years really with my own father who was very proud of me uh considering uh, those times Uh, girls were considered an insignificant group in the society um, and uh, fathers would like to take their boys to school but my father was a bit different, he encouraged me and he was proud of me even telling the neighbors that his little girl is brilliant and is going to go far in education, so this I think gave me confidence uh, in a society where girls were not considered as an important group in the society. Going to my academic journey, it all started uh, uh, as an undergraduate student at the Muimbili College then of the University of Dar es Salaam. And what inspired me really was the fact that in higher learning institutions uh, teaching is evidence-based and of course uh, research is, was an interesting uh, component for me. And when we were doing the um, undergraduate elective study research, I was really kind of inspired by my supervisor, although was not a, whim- a woman. And I believed that there will be fairness, equity, and equality in the higher education uh, community. Right. Yeah. Then, well, uh, completed my undergraduate, went to internship, and you know, during the internship, uh, normally uh, you go through uh, various departments, and at one point you see the emergency department. And really, that's when I felt uh, so much frustrated, and I thought, instead of you know working uh, in a very frustrating environment all the time i could go to academics teach of course i will support in producing more doctors who are going to support people and who are going to be of course innovative and hopefully solve the issues of technology then right i hope you i hope you can relate with that oh yes (laughs) yes (laughs) So, I therefore applied to be a tutorial assistant in the Department of Anatomy, which is one of the courses I really loved, especially embryology, mm. which I teach to date. Of okay. course, I also teach other programs in anatomy. But uh, this one really intrigued me because you see uh, how uh, a human is developing. Right. Mm. Prior to fertilization, fertilization. And yeah. then you can explain mm, a lot of these anomalies uh, uh, that uh, babies may be born with. Uh, uh, we see anomalies uh, uh, on the street. And I thought this is quite interesting. So this really uh, pushed me uh, into joining this department. But so, and but the training then in our in our setting, there wasn't uh, uh enough uh, technology to conduct advanced research and and also a scholarship for biomedical sciences were quite hard hmm. and yes, and fortunately uh, one of the days I just went to the Ministry of health. Trying to find out uh how can one get a uh, scholarship, and this is how I was introduced to the uh, Japanese embassy. I was told that if you go to the Japanese embassy right you may yes i I could uh, like apply for the scholarships, so I was fortunate and I applied. And out of the 30 applicants, I was one of the three who uh, were successful. And I went to Tokyo and uh, that's where I did my PhD. So on my... Please continue. Yes. So, Joy, I must say then that is how my academic journey started. Hmm. But progression into my academic journey wasn't as straightforward.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> you okay. know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, I, I wouldn't say it was an easy journey. Hmm. Uh, during the time, the institutional systems were quite masculine. There were there was no awareness on LA career mentorship. There was minimal awareness of gender, and to say the least, there was open discrimination and lack of empathy uh, to women. Uh, remember uh, the the time that we are going to postgraduate. It is also the same time that. Uh, We are getting married, having children. So uh, I think it was quite hard. And Mm. uh, I must say, somehow, uh, this hardened me. Mm. Although at times, I could be very emotional and uh, go into the sanctuary of my room all mm. my privacy in the office cried off. Oh, no. Oh, and yeah. But, uh, but then I promised myself that I will make sure to support and mentor early career women specifically as much as I could do. Because I could see how I fought through and there was minimal support. Mm. So uh, I would say mostly uh, my journey has been from my own motivation and the inspiration to grow as an academic who can teach well, but most importantly, who uh, can be a role model to the young women who want to excel uh, in academia.
1: Okay. So um, now I'm just listening to you and I understand what you're going through because it's what most women go through uh, in academia. You know, there's balancing family with uh, with your career and it can be a bit of a nightmare. And also sometimes at that point, there's there really no gender mainstreaming within our universities. Right now it is better I mean we could do better yeah. but it is definitely sure. better than before and sure. it is and it is really that those challenges you faced in your career to the point that you even became a vice chancellor that got you really interested in gender mainstreaming uh which also led to the development of the inas gender mainstreaming in higher education toolkit so could you elaborate on the significance of gender mainstreaming in higher education, and share specific practical strategies and tools from the toolkit that academic institutions can implement to promote gender equity and inclusivity. You can also share with us, cite the experiences that you went through, and how this toolkit could actually could have helped if it existed then, and how it would actually support uh, researchers today. Thank you, Joy. Um,
0: first of all, uh, let me send some a few words about INASPU. We know INASPU is an international uh, yes. development organization based in yes. the UK, but it has been working uh, with uh, universities and researchers in global south for more than 30 years. Uh, and mainly on strengthening research, teaching, and knowledge. Uh, production and supporting the the uh, uh knowledge uh, uh, ecosystem so uh for me i started interacting with the uh, inasp really when i was uh, uh at the university uh of dodoma and uh uh, uh hmm continue. Previously, previously when uh, I was at Mwibili University of Allied and Sciences, I had uh, participated, and this is more than 20 years back, of course, mm. I had participated uh, in a training of trainers uh, in gender mainstreaming. Yes. Uh, there was a the program that was uh, supported by the Carnegie Organization of Canada. Right and uh this is how i was actually introduced to gender right. and uh, yes and i'm glad that uh, uh this program which was organized by the university of dar es salaam mm. uh uh it was one of the initiatives uh that put in place the gender unit at that university then mm. However, uh, it has remained quite academic uh, right? and also each higher education institution will progress differently at a different pace. But still, uh, there is notable gaps in academia. Specifically, of course, we know in STEM programs, uh, this is a known fact And uh, we noted that this could have from the lack of a standard tool for gender mainstreaming, uh, which could be adapted by uh, various universities, and specifically new public institutions and private institutions. Most private institutions uh, may not have uh, gender units, may not have gender policies or frameworks. So, this was the main driver for us to really right. think about about, about, about uh, uh, developing this tool. And specifically, uh, when I was at the University of uh, the Dharma, there was a glaring gender gap in the institution. And uh, for example, out of the 694 academics then at that particular time only 175 were women oh and yes and so you can see it's only maybe a quarter of the total academics were women right and most of them were in the lower academic ranks Mm. and of course it goes without saying there was no woman in the top management of course currently we may have a few women in yes, top management more. As, yeah, we are, yeah, yes we have yeah that's true yeah especially the deputies the deputy vice the, DDCs, chancellor.
1: Yeah, they are yes, the yeah quite a number yes
0: we have some but then there was none at that particular time right. and uh, and uh, we I, we also looked at the middle level managers,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, we had like 25 middle level managers, and out of them, only five were women. Right, and it it goes without saying that without uh, a suitable academic rank, you cannot become uh, a, a higher learning institution manager. Definitely that is true so yes but despite all these gaps it's like business as usual mm. and um this is how we actually i consulted uh some of my colleagues who were at the middle level manager like myself on uh how could we raise awareness uh on Thanks. gender and hopefully start uh, gender mainstreaming. Hmm. And uh, therefore, uh, this is how we planned our first workshop. And we called this workshop, getting out of the box. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yes. So uh, out of that box, out of that getting out of the box uh workshop
1: mm. we
0: then uh 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 we got of course the support was from INASP because we had started working with INASP on mm. uh, research writing through the the author aid program yes uh, yes yes and uh, therefore uh, this is how we 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 took off into uh, considering uh, gender mainstreaming. Mm. So uh, we applied and we were able to get funding for the first workshop. Okay. And from that workshop, we, we developed uh, uh, a work plan then. What were we going to do out of, the, of that workshop? Right, and really, this is how we developed uh, the 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 toolkit. So the toolkit on gender mainstreaming, we take into consideration that gender mainstreaming is actually a strategy, and what will be the outcome then is an yes. institutional, which is uh, uh, a gender sensitive uh, institution as an outcome and yeah. therefore we 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 will have an institution which is more gender uh sensitive gender aware and therefore have uh, a gender equity and uh equality in the in the in the institution right so the toolkit itself has the tools that uh will help any institution, be it a higher learning institution or a research institution, to be able to actually conduct uh, workshops and of course uh support gender mainstreaming. Right. And how does it work? Normally, Mm -hmm. we introduce uh, on the process itself, which I may say is like four stages. You start with defining uh, the issues. Mm -hmm. And with defining the issues, the tools that support defining the issues uh, is by conducting uh, a qualitative or quantitative data, uh, sex disaggregated data, which will give us uh, the gaps. We are able to identify the gaps.
1: Mm.
0: And when we have these gaps now, we also uh, know who are we going to bring on board right. in actually uh, going into in-depth so mm. that so we also identify stakeholders. And in yeah. our case, we 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 consider top management of course, middle management uh staff and students All right after After that stage, then uh, uh we have the tools that support the planning and so what do we mean by planning? In this case, we have to look at our resources so what right. resources are in place mm-hmm. uh in terms of finance in terms of those who are going to implement and uh implementation in this case would uh, uh would involve of course uh uh training will in, in, in involve uh doing some more or uh, studies uh so that uh we can uh, uh we can implement better mm-hmm. and uh therefore uh it guides on the budgeting it guides on how we are going to locate our resources, and then we go to the implementation and with implementation, the tool actually uh gives stage by stage on conducting either one-day workshop or continuous workshops uh, in in, uh, uh, in uh, gender, uh, raising gender awareness. Right. And we start from maybe small groups, and uh, then uh, we make sure now the institution is gender aware. And the staff becomes gender sensitive and gender responsive, And as such, we are able now to prepare tools. And preparation of tools, uh, will, uh, I mean, uh, for gender mainstreaming. That means uh, including revision of the frameworks that we have, revision of policies. And in case an institution does not have a gender policy, then uh involve the institution in uh, uh, in uh, uh, preparing agenda policy okay. all right and this this will mm-hmm. also include uh, at the end to evaluate and recommend but Absolutely. most importantly joy i mm-hmm. think uh, right uh, without involving top management, especially where you have mm-hmm. the whole of top, top management
1: as only men oh yeah that becomes a bit of an issue
0: yeah yes it is an issue so you yeah. need lobbying to have yeah. a buying in you know so uh with that then you know you can revisit you can replan then you can retrain yeah and, yeah that's true and now yeah you can have a system in place uh yeah. Uh, it uh, that allows a transformed institution.
1: So, with, with that said, what have been the key lessons that you've learned? Because you're you're getting into an ecosystem where before there was there were no women in leadership. You 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 want more women in leadership. You're training more women to be in leadership, especially in the universities, but also engendering the entire education ecosystem, and where. Traditionally, it has been male-dominated. So what have been your key lessons in this entire process?
0: Um, Joy, I must say, uh, first of all, it has been a very fulfilling journey. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, initially, we need a lot of lobbying with top management.
1: And there was no pushback pushback at that point? <laughs> so, some fish, <laughs> <laughs> some pushback. I expected joy, yeah. but uh, yeah. yes.
0: But the good thing is,
1: mm-hmm. we
0: have to have this process has to be evidence based, right? 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therefore, having rapid surveys locally, yeah, yeah. and also uh, having literature. From global uh, data is yes. really uh, very very important, and yes. through the through those uh, evidence base, then we build our case, and right. therefore buying in, yeah, can can be easier. Um, another thing I would like to mention is when we are working with uh, gender mainstreaming transformations and so forth. We as individuals undergo our own individual transformations. And uh, this with individual transformation gives us the strength specifically to have transformation at institutional level. And mm-hmm. once we have transformation at the institutional level, there then uh, the gender gap uh is reduced for example i may give an example following our process of gender mainstreaming uh, mm. preparation of the uh, gender policy uh, really there has been a big transformation specifically in research and publication mm. well i must say i was lucky because i was a director then uh, for research and publication but, okay. uh, and yes, and uh, uh, I was like that uh, we had the inner support where we continued to train women. Yes. And uh, there was a rapid increase. There was a rapid change in the volume of publication from women. As first authors? And
1: as, sorry? As first authors? Publication from women as yes. first authors
0: as well? Yes, yes, as first authors and some as second, third, or, or whatever co authors. Yes. Yeah. But really, this changed because from the first year to the following year, hmm. already uh, women came up with publications. Good. And especially those who were doing their PhD. They were mm. able to produce publications from their uh, dissertations and thesis. Mm-hmm. so as such and some of them uh, because of the raise their awareness uh, yes. we, we became more aware on balancing mm-hmm. the time between academic responsibilities and home chores mm-hmm. and as such people uh, women start uh, prioritizing their academic Activities and mm-hmm. even to the point of engaging helpers to support with the home chores and as such we kind of were able to balance more and uh, uh, people uh, were happy that they could produce publication. Mm-hmm. So I think for me uh, the the lessons were great. Uh, mm-hmm. Once we do the lobbying once we raise the awareness and once we target not right. only the management but the women themselves right. being aware that actually we can make it. Yes. So there has been a very positive change among women and uh, even promotions, you yes. know. Yes,
1: yes, yeah. yes. And it also instills confidence in them and yes. also it helps it, it it, it leads to inspiration for the early career researchers, especially the early career research, women researchers. When you see a vice chancellor is a woman or a deputy vice chancellor is a woman, you know, there's something beyond just working on your research. You can also aim for those higher positions, especially when you're seeing them as past authors and they're also receiving grants. So that, that is quite an achievement. Now, um, with your collaboration with IDAS, which has been quite a, a, extensive, you've been notable in uh, the projects like uh, the Strengthening Research and Knowledge Systems, that is the CRKS, and also TESCARE, which is the Transforming Employability for Social Change in East Africa. Could you provide a brief overview on these projects and highlight the key aspects of your involvement and what impacts have these initiatives had? on the research and knowledge systems in the regions they targeted. Oh, thank you, Joy. Let mm. me start
0: with the strengthening research. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, I was fortunate that I was the director of research and publications, consultants, yeah. and of course, international collaboration.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, this gave me an opportunity to work very closely with ASP. Yes. And uh, d- during that t- time, I became part of the INASP Author Aid Program, facilitating mm. online mm. research writing, mm. and this allows us allowed us to develop proposals. Yes, which were some of them supported by Inaspo locally, like yes. conducting uh, research writing workshops for the Correct. early career researchers. And uh, this really uh, supported the early career researchers in developing fundable research proposals, producing manuscripts
1: uh, yeah. from
0: their dissertations. Hmm. Uh, but more importantly, I was able to encourage early career researchers in my institution to join hmm. the online author aid program, which yes. was really uh, a big support. Yes. And and it, this it was during this time mm-hmm. uh that my collaboration with INASP grew and uh uh we then uh continued to uh work together uh in uh, in uh, uh, gender issues, gender yeah. streaming, and yeah. of course uh the toolkit as we have Discussed earlier. Yeah. But uh, gender mainstreaming activities grew and it became possible uh, to be sustained by the university itself.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: So, therefore, uh, budgets were involved. Uh, uh, I mean, during the budgeting, we could uh, put in place activities that are related not only research rate, but also uh, with the gender mainstreaming. And through the implementation of the strengthening knowledge and research ecosystem and the gender activities then coincides with the announcement of the Sphere program in 2017. Mm-hmm. And therefore, Inas wanted uh, to find out if I was interested uh, in teaming up and if I could uh, form a team that mm-hmm. will work together and, of course, bring other institutions mm-hmm. on board to develop yes. the, the 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 proposal for the TSEA project. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And as you might be aware, Joy, the TSEA project was implemented by Eastern universities. Yes. And, uh, of course, it was mainly on teaching pedagogy, but also gender mainstreaming uh, pedagogy, which is a teaching style uh, where specific needs of both men and women Mm. learners are considered. Yes. Okay. So uh, lecturers were uh, trained and students were trained and uh, adapting the transformative uh learning uh program or teaching style. Yes. And uh uh really uh this uh program not only changed or improved our teaching style, but also this is when uh we developed a group of champions or training of trainers. Uh, to train others across the institution in the implementing institutions, but also outside the implementing institutions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. For example, we we had an opportunity to introduce gender mainstreaming and gender responsive pedagogy in another sphere project known as Pebble with West Africa. And therefore we worked with INASP, and ourselves uh, to, to to train uh, the trainers who were implementing uh, that program. And uh, I must say really, uh, these two projects, Tasea and uh, the, stre- the, the strengthening uh, research and knowledge ecosystem, has improved greatly the volume of publications amongst the implementers of these projects. Right. And yes, but also uh, through webinars, through right. workshops, uh, we it has been impactful uh, within right. and outside the region. Right, yes.
1: right. Yes. Fantastic. yes. Fantastic. And, you know, when you have... More researchers improving their not only their pedagogy s- skills but also improving their research uh, systems. It means that at the end of the day they improve their research output they improve their research visibility and I'm, I believe it's strongly connected into the gender mainstreaming because you're you're also encouraging more women to be part of these programs and to be recipients of these programs such so that their work can be seen and they can also um aspire to get into these leadership positions that uh the gender toolkit uh, gender mainstreaming toolkit uh was designed to do but also making leadership within uh higher education institutions a bit more discerning about the various um the various factors that influence uh, uh that hinder not actually influence that hinder women researchers from achieving their goals as uh, as uh, leaders within their ecosystem. So this is quite good. And uh, with all said and done, when you are going through this, the scare project and the SRKS project, um, am I right to assume that you had also um, included aspects of the gender mainstreaming uh, to just make sure that this is aligned with the conversations that you are having with the various researchers and partners. Do you do you feel or did you observe that you had more women involved in that project? Because at the end of the day, when you're looking at improving research output, it's also um, encouraging more women to be part of this process so that they can be seen, they can be, they can be, their work can be seen and they can also improve their research life cycle. So did you see an increase in women getting involved? Did you also include gender mainstreaming in the in this gender mainstreaming activities in this in this in these two major projects? Sure, Joy. Uh, actually one of the
0: reasons why our was funded was the gender mainstreaming Uh, and the gender responsive pedagogy
1: uh, right. components.
0: Yes. It was a big attraction to, test, uh, to the Sphere program. Mm. And uh, of course, our, our, our teams had 50-50 or actually the women were slightly more than the men. Ah, so it was as intentional. such, yes. yes, it was okay. very, very intentional right from the beginning and this yeah. was really cool. and uh this is how we even got to to support the Pebble West Africa project which was also a project under Sphere right uh so uh it was i must say it was a big success uh, okay. when considering gender mainstreaming and uh, uh gender responsive pedagogy
1: yes okay so so with all this, there are elements of mentoring researchers, particularly early career researchers. Um, what are your reflections on your commitment to the development of others and what personal fulfillment do you find in mentoring? Not only uh, early career researchers in improving their research life cycle, but also uh, influencing change uh, by gender mainstreaming within education and how has this entire process influenced your growth as an academic leader?
0: Oh, yes. Thank you, Joy. As I mentioned earlier, of course, my own experiences motivated me to start with. And uh, I had promised myself uh, I'm going to be mentoring others. Right. And not only others, specifically L-Career women mm. and uh Actually, this is the big passion for me. Yeah, to see young women excel and become top managers in higher absolutely, absolutely sure. However, mm. uh, number one, through mentoring, we grow as we find strength. Very that true. we yes, we mm. find strength that we can tap from those who we are mentoring. Yes. And this is a big inspiration. For example, uh, I was not very good at qualitative research. Right. But I was mentoring and I was supervising a PhD student who is a woman. And she was really good. In uh, qualitative research. And this is how I I actually learned and uh, learned to do qualitative research.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: But, of course, uh, as a mentor, we publish together. Of Of course, I'm not going to be the first author, but definitely my research volume will grow. Of course. And this is a big motivation to really mentor others and work together. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. now beyond academia, what are your personal aspirations or dreams? Yes.
0: Um,
1: outside the academia.
0: Uh, uh, outside and inside the academia. Okay. Let's do that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Definitely, I would say uh I felt uh, like staying away for, for all those years I kind of uh lost uh some good uh uh contact some deep connection uh with uh, my children, but uh-huh. I appreciate that they 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 do understand and they do support me. Mm. And, uh, definitely I was able to support them through, through Mm. some, you know, when you stay away, you may not be able, uh, to express emotionally and to have that deep emotional connections, but I'm glad, uh, post my training, I have been able to, uh, really connect deeply, uh, with my children and hopefully, with my grandchildren, oh, that's but, lovely.
1: Um,
0: yeah, <laughs> but, in, but I really, I really uh, appreciate and my gratitude to my children, and of course my husband for being understanding and supporting yeah. me in this busy management uh, uh, and teaching activities. Because although I'm a vice chancellor, I'm a a, a teacher full time. I, yes. I I teach. Oh yes. So I I don't want to be a vice chancellor who sits in the office.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> you an no, active teacher, with... researcher, sure. and an administrator. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So <laughs> I really love
0: connecting with the students, right? And mentoring them. And uh, specifically, I because my institution is a agenda. Uh, Equity, equitable institution and right right from the beginning we started training the staff training the students uh, and therefore uh, awareness is high and uh, really my inspiration is to have uh, a gender equitable community both within and outside uh, the institution
1: Fantastic thank you so much this has been very interesting, very inspiring, and uh, it's truly an honor to have you. And we are so happy about the change you're influencing, not only in your university, but in the Tanzanian academic community, especially when it comes to gender mainstreaming in the higher education sector. And uh, hopefully this will spread beyond the country and be adopted by most institutions within the continent. Asante sana. Thank you so much for
0: as, your time. <laughs> Asante sana Joy. But if yes. you allow me, I would yes. like to end by thanking INASP yes. not only for the initial support but uh uh inviting me as in, an INASP associate oh, and yes. uh, working together in various activities and most importantly uh, uh
1: in uh, mentoring of early career uh, research women. Oh, they have been instrumental. Yeah, they've been instrumental in that for sure. Sure, sure. Okay then. Thank you, and do thank you so very much. Joy and uh, stay well. Okay, and enjoy the rest of the year. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank Mm you, Joy. Bye bye.
0: Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Mazum Gumzo podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on all our channels for more updates and for candid stories by researchers, policymakers, higher education leaders, and innovators on their journeys. See you in our
1: next episode.